The Saskatchewan Healthcare Coalition is hosting the All for Public Healthcare Rally in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, May 4th. It's free and you're invited. This rally is happening because our public healthcare system does not have the support it needs to meet the diverse needs of all Saskatchewan residents. For years, it has been underfunded, ignored, and hindered. So join Donna and I in person on May 4th in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan for a walk, speeches, networking, and community building. Link for more information is in the show notes. Hope to see you there. In January 2024, the Saskatchewan government announced they will be bringing more treatment spaces to the province. Many of these spaces will be run by Edgewood Health Network. Jamie Miley, the Director of Government Relations at Edgewood. I mean, the work that's being done now by people in addictions in Saskatchewan is absolutely heroic, but they need help. And Vice President of National Operations, Christina Bastow. Treatment can't just be about stopping the substance. It has to be about so much more than that. Join me on the podcast to talk about what this means for our province because change is coming. But is it good? Because I really fundamentally believe that harm reduction is a pillar of substance use programming. What's up, everybody? My name's Dan, podcaster, public speaker, and advocate, and this is Hard Knocks Talks, your addictions podcast. Jamie, how long have you been working in addictions here in Saskatchewan? I've been working in addictions in Saskatchewan for a decade. And why did you get into it? Why do you care? Well, I had my own uh, struggle uh, that you and I have talked about, and I was fortunate enough uh, when I needed help to get it. And I see other people, particularly in Saskatchewan, who are struggling that did not have the kind of break that I got. Uh, what were some of the options available to see that people who were suffering were able to to find the help they needed and, and a, you know, a high level of quality care mm-hmm. that uh, we've maybe been lacking here in Saskatchewan? I mean, the work that's being done now by people in addictions in Saskatchewan is absolutely heroic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they need help. What do you think the biggest changes are going to be uh, as far as what we have now been offering and have been for the past number of years compared to um, what's coming with with Edgewood. Right. Longer inpatient care, for one thing. There are opportunities, too, for intensive outpatient uh, care as well. That will be introduced. But I think people think that, you know, and it's true, longer in treatment, the better the outcome. That's Mm -hmm. a statistically proven uh, fact. Mm -hmm. If uh, if Edgewood is now going to offer six to seven week, 45 day treatment uh, in Saskatchewan, that's only part of it. What Edgewood is actually, which HN is actually offering really is a year mm-hmm. because after a person is discharged from inpatient, they get uh, uh, an aftercare person in their hometown uh, to to work with them for a year after plus. Plus, there's ongoing programming that that EHN offers uh, that will help people, you know, once they get out. Pardon me. Yes, they'll have this toolkit. As we've all heard, you get this great toolkit. What are you going to do with it when you get out? Uh They help you use the toolkit. Uh And that is maybe the piece. I I think that piece has been missing in Saskatchewan. And so. um, So do you think and and just briefly. So do you think that um, the aftercare portion of what Edgewood will be offering is possibly the most, mm, what's the word I'm looking for? Differentiator? Yeah. Partially, because I think the other part that, uh, a huge part of what uh, 
Edgewood uh, will be offering is is the medically assisted piece at the mm-hmm. front end. Mm-hmm. So uh, there will be detox services offered, and there will be also constant medical uh, care up to and including psychiatric care, mm-hmm. uh, uh, PhD level psychologists, uh, master's level counselors, uh, uh, really professionalizing what's being offered uh, mm-hmm. to to the still suffering addict. Yeah. Hmm. Let's bring in Christina. Christina, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. What specific needs are you seeing here in Saskatchewan that, that may be unique? to uh, to our province? Well, the main thing we're trying to focus on is really digging in and giving people an opportunity to seek out bed-based care and, and really have the option to do inpatient treatment that is a longer duration than some of the uh, pre-existing sort of 28-day programs or even 21-day programs. Uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to what's really on the ground in Saskatchewan, we have seen a lot or, or really have gotten quite a few anecdotal reports and also reports from people struggling around the crystal methamphetamine usage and obviously I mean, the the fentanyl crisis is something that is talked about a lot, but really just seeing um, a large amount of individuals struggling with really um, intense addictions Mm -hmm. and also the psychiatric comorbidity that comes from that, right? So the usage of things like crystal methamphetamine really impacts how the brain operates. um, And it's it's really degenerative. Let me interrupt and I apologize, but um, explain comorbidity. You use big words on the show. Yeah. Everybody got called out. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Even if I know yeah, what they mean. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, so comorbidity uh, really means like there's multiple existing struggles at one time or multiple uh-huh. existing challenges that are present. So in this case, you'd have people that are cross-using different substances. You'd also see a huge comorbidity or connection between uh-huh. uh, different types of addiction issues and mental health diagnoses. So a lot mm-hmm. of people using substances to either treat an underlying condition, so really seeking out substances to try and mitigate some challenges, or having mental health uh, really deteriorate because of the use of substances. I mean, we could get into the chicken and egg on that, but Mm. you see a lot of those two things existing at the same time. And it means that treatment can't just be about stopping the substance. It has to be about so much more than that because there's so much happening for individuals. And Mm. then you kind of layer on on top of that, that when someone's actively in addiction and potentially, um, you know, in a disenfranchised situation, they're also going to be exposed to really pieces that impact them like trauma and, and other, you know, violence or or, or really just the general lack of being able to take care of themselves. And, and those things will all layer on top to, to add more to the issue, right? Mm-hmm. So do you have a, a target demographic in mind? Because I know different, different demographics, maybe uh, people who have resources, people who don't have resources will have their own unique challenges in accessing services like your own. So is there a target? The base target is anyone struggling with active addiction, to be honest Mm -hmm. with you, who's 18 and over. So 18 and to an unlimited age uh, on the other range. When it comes to that, though, we do have some factors that we would look at that would expedite someone's getting into treatment, right? So individuals that are coming from um, a housing insecure situation, individuals that are maybe struggling with um, 
like some challenges in their housing or challenges in other access of social supports. Mm -hmm. Individuals that, you know, if we have people that are pregnant or individuals that have that um, have young children that might need to be expedited into treatment, mm -hmm. obviously cultural factors as well that may play into that. But really looking at anyone that would be struggling that's going to ask for help. And it can come in a range of, of to your point, socioeconomic backgrounds, a, a variety of backgrounds. And then depending on who's coming in for us, we're going to basically layer treatment based on that. And we have this really awesome ability, uh, Jamie mentioned length of treatment earlier, where we can decide how long someone stays to us, ranging anywhere from eight to 16 weeks. And if we look at the average um, substance use program, somewhere varying between 21 and 28 days, having eight to 16 weeks to help individuals uh, that we determine need that level of care is exceptional. And it really mm -hmm. changes the game for how well someone's going to do in treatment, but also how well someone's going to do when they leave. So tell us a little bit more about what your programming looks like specifically. And I know you mentioned a few minutes ago talking about uh, working with people with crystal meth struggles or the opioid crisis or anything. Now, is there a difference in the way that you would that you would um, uh, help these people or is your programming like the same? Like, tell us, is there spiritual components? Yeah, great question. Loaded question. So I'll do my best to answer it. <laughs> uh, really, honestly, um, it's not a cookie cutter program. We're going to work with individual differences. And I can talk a little bit about what that means. When we talk about the type of substance that someone is using, it's going to impact potentially their detox, the length of detox, whether someone's going to go on medically assisted therapies after their detox um, and continue on those even post-treatment. That would vary, for example, opiate use versus crystal methamphetamine primary usage would look different in that regard. Mm -hmm. The type of treatment, though, uh, captures a huge amount of different areas. Like we're obviously medically stabilizing individuals. People have access to 24-7 nursing care. That's a big piece. Also access to doctors and psychiatrists um, when necessary. But additionally to that, we also have sort of the really intense case management, really addressing things from um, a recovery-oriented systems of care perspective where we're taking into um, account something, a term called recovery capital. What's the access that this person has to um, external resources that will help them and what's happened in their life through a biopsychosocial assessment that we do at the beginning that really might speak to the type of therapies that they need, right? Have mm -hmm. they been impacted by a variety of traumas? Do they have developmental challenges? Has their drug use impacted their ability to learn in a traditional way? So we need to change the type of therapies that we use. And so we try to really capture treatment from a spiritual, psychological, mental health, like a variety of models that really are best practice now that we know that you need that integrated level of care. Uh, because people don't uh, want to be treated um, as their issues all being the same and and not all therapies fit for certain people, right? So we really try to use like the variety of interdisciplinary teams to address a lot of the concerns and then try to build up the facets of an individual that are present to help them um, mm -hmm. before they leave treatment and then into aftercare, as Jamie was mentioning too. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll jump right back in. Okay. The Advancing Interprofessional Management of Substance Use Disorders in Saskatchewan program, or AIMS-SK, is offered through the College of Medicine at the University of Saskatchewan and is designed to deepen healthcare professionals' understanding of substance use to improve health outcomes for individuals with substance use disorders. This program consists of three modules, including the Foundations of Harm Reduction in Substance Use Disorder, Opioid Use Disorder, and Alcohol Use Disorder. If you are a healthcare professional in Saskatchewan and wish to reduce stigma and better serve of those with substance use disorder, look for the Ames SK link in the description below. All right. 
Also, if you are struggling with the substance use of a loved one or have tragically lost a loved one to drug-related harms, reach out to Stronger Together Canada, peer-led support groups by Mums Stop the Harm. If you are in search of inpatient private inpatient addictions treatment check out prairie sky recovery center located in Libsix, saskatchewan if you are looking for help with criminal record suspensions the elizabeth fry society of saskatchewan covers all costs all associated costs for women or gender diverse individuals to apply for criminal record suspensions reach out to chelsea at 306-668-0635 to make contact and learn more about about all of today's sponsors, to check out our new merch, or if you want to show us some love and buy us a coffee, all of those links are in the show notes below. So how can people access your programming? We are looking to go live in April. So we're going to be launching an um, online access point for people to basically send in um, admissions documents and preliminary documents either online or over the phone and that can be available by private individual but also can be accessed for example by community resource providers that may have individuals that are looking for treatment we're Mm -hmm. going to definitely go live with that um, once sort of we finalize the timeline of that so that we're not um, taking in individuals that we can't actually connect with Mm -hmm. and uh, when that comes out I probably will happily send to you maybe to to air as well but we're hoping to, to see that go live sometime in March in order to get a, a wait list going for individuals to access care. So uh, and people would call you directly or are you like, because I know like you're, you're doing this work. I don't know if it's directly with the SAS government or if the SAS government is just sort of funding it. Um, actually, that's a good question. What's going on there? Yeah, so really this is uh, really advanced in the sense that it's um, publicly funded, privately delivered. And so for from our point, we're they'd be calling us directly. Edgewood Health Network would have uh, sort of a, a Saskatchewan um, admissions center that we would have, which would have a phone number and also the ability to do online uh, forms for admissions. And then mm-hmm. our admissions team would be contacting the individual seeking care or, for example, a family member if they're doing it on their behalf directly. Okay. Um, I'm interested to know more about your intake process. Uh, you make a phone call. Hey, I'm, I'm in a bad way. Um, uh, I have, I have a lot of things going on. Uh, I'm not good with forms. Uh, I'm not good with automated services. All of these things that are typically barriers for what we currently have in place now. Um, do you have like, is there help for people to get admission? If someone is just completely like unable to compute and they call you, like, congratulations, you called, you made it this far. How do you help them make sure they get what they need? Yeah, absolutely. So we want to be as barrier-free as possible. And to your mm-hmm. point, not everyone can do the online form piece or, or access those things. So with our admissions team on site, we will be able to help people and, and fill it out for them, honestly, if they're Beautiful. calling in and able to access us from a phone. Um, and some people may be in situations where they just don't have access to other forms of technology, or they only have a phone call from, um, for example, a shelter that they may be in or, or whatever that is. So we will try and make that as barrier-free as possible. Mm. And harm reduction uh is there and, and and harm reduction is so much more than 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 what some call safe supply and, and supervised access and or consumption and all of that um are there strategies in your program to accommodate harm reduction modalities yeah you know on one hand a loaded question and on one hand not right because yeah. i really fundamentally believe that harm reduction is a pillar of substance use programming and it's a pillar that for many is part of the beginning of their journey to whatever their recovery will look like as some people will stay in a harm reduction spot no judgment there some mm-hmm. people will take their recovery somewhere else um, and everyone's entitled to that 
choice. And I, I think for us, when we look at our programming, we're providing, you know, eight to 16 weeks of um, medically assisted and, and also medically supported care. We are foundationally looking at helping individuals achieve, you know, the most wellness that they can, um, but also supporting their choices. So for those individuals that want to be completing treatment with us, they will be um, engaged in, in things like medically assisted therapies, which can help individuals um, stay quite long term in recovery and has been seen as even a harm reduction technique based on the traditional abstinence based therapies that were talked about many years ago as being the only option. So yeah. we have a lot more mitigating factors for individuals that come to us and maybe say this isn't the pathway for me I I don't this type of version of recovery doesn't feel right well mm -hmm. it's not just like you kick them out and, and say well that's not going to work then we would try to engage with community resources and, and help these individuals at least access a service point that would allow them to carry on their journey in the way that would feel more fitting for them so having said that um, what would be your benchmark of success how do you decide yeah. you on this one or not you know I mean, maybe call me a call me a sensitive sensitive person, but for me, if someone's leaving our facility and have achieved a better level of wellness than where they were before, like I already see that as success. I think you have yeah. to be really mindful of how you define it. Yeah. I mean, when we look at things like recover, we use a lot of psychometrics, fancy word for saying we measure a lot of symptoms um, mm -hmm. and, and pre and post treatment. And we make those, you know, not publicly available for the individual, but publicly available to know how some people um, have completed treatment. And for me, any reduced amount of symptom is a win, right? Reductions mm -hmm. in depression, reductions in anxiety, reductions in craving, um, the ability to be more emotionally regulated, the ability mm -hmm. to feel more in control of, of your own circumstances. Yeah, productive. build build back your community, maybe reconnect to your spirituality or reconnect yeah. to pieces you'd lost. And at the end of the day, like the recovery capital scale is a big one too. Like, do you have more access to recovery capital than you did before? And does that help you make choices that are going to lead you to feel more fulfilled in your life? All mm -hmm. of those would be measures of success. Yeah. So the reason I ask though, is because you are uh, working with government funding, the government is going to be like, give us statistics. So when you yes. when you when you check the box, we won this one. Yep. What does that look like? What does that what are your your indicators? Yeah, so the indicators for us, we use a host of of psychometrics, so a host of different psychological tests that every individual comes in and takes upon entry. And we do those at like entry into treatment, midpoint discharge, and we do that throughout their time. And we also do that throughout their time in aftercare if they're willing to participate in that. Yeah. And so they really do vary um, in what they're measuring. Some of them are the comorbidities that we talked about earlier, which is, you know, have my mental health increased and, and what are the symptoms that we've seen? Uh, again, um, cravings, compulsions to use, general um, withdrawal symptoms all of those pieces. So we then provide sort of a report back and say, this is on average where we see, um, you know, our clientele um, coming from beginning to midpoint and to mm. end. And we have really excellent outcomes when it comes to, to that from a research lens. Of course, that doesn't capture the whole person. Yeah. Um, and I strongly believe in the qualitative component of pieces. So we also then have a lot of um, surveys that our clients can fill in. How was your time in treatment? Did you feel, you know, respected, cared for? Did you feel like your spiritual beliefs were respected? Did you feel like you, you know, found something that you were passionate about and, and to put that into writing for us so that we can mm. qualitatively also report back on each individual to your point, success mm. will look different. And then some of them can be metrics that we can easily deliver on. So there will be data collection um, past yeah. the point of leaving treatment. 
Yes, for those that are willing, of course, to yeah. stay engaged. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you intend, like you mentioned just a moment ago, uh, community partners. Um, are you yeah. intending on intentionally fostering relationships with uh, nonprofit organizations and community-facing organizations here in Saskatchewan? Yes, absolutely. I, I don't think any of us can do this alone, private, public, nonprofit, none of it. I mean, we're all fighting a similar fight, which is really to help individuals access recovery and, and give people more choice and chance um, to live healthy lives, right? So for mm -hmm. me, we're actively developing some of those community partnerships already. Um, and also partnerships with, you know, educational institutions and universities and, and allowing for practicums to take place and for people who are passionate about this work to get in and, and really also engage in a different way. So I think for us, like the partnerships are going to be multifaceted and of course, also really open to having anybody in the community reach out to us if they're interested, which if you already have. So thank you for that to mm -hmm. um, make sure that we we are um, developing those networks of care, because when someone leaves us, that's not where it ends. Oftentimes we're transferring people back to other service levels or back even to community partnerships that they've had before. And we mm -hmm. want to make sure those relationships are strong. So you've mentioned um, you mentioned that you've already begun to to foster some relationships. Can you can you tell us which organizations that you've already made contact with and are, are working with? You know, I don't know if I'm supposed to do that or not. So that's a great okay. question. Um, there, I'd say there's a few university partnerships that I could speak to, um, especially with nursing departments and mm. some of more diploma-based um, programs for students that are highly interested. Mm. We've um, had some great partnership conversations with the Saskatoon Tribal Council regarding um, their work. We've we've had some really good conversations with other community organizations that we're trying to pursue and also really wanting to engage um, when we're located and settled in with also community that are surrounding us to ensure that engagement isn't just with organizations, but also with community members that are going to be local to the to the sites as well. Okay, that's all I got for you. Is there anything else you want to throw in before you before we let you go? No, just super excited. If that wasn't clear already, we're really excited about providing yeah. the service and helping so many individuals uh, that we haven't been able to help so far. Okay. Thanks so much, Christina. Great. I'll let you go. Thank take you. Care. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Jamie, um, what, what would you like to see moving into the future? What would you like to see that would supplement this program? Well, I, it's one thing, and Christine, you just ended the conversation with Christina on a, on a really important note in, in terms of the community outreach and what we're doing. It's one thing to set up a stand up, set up a uh, an addiction treatment center that has a long period of treatment. You need people to actually, who, who know what they're doing, uh, work there. So in terms of the, the uh, importance of ensuring that people are getting the kinds of education that they need in this field from docs on you know, from doctors, nurses, uh, addiction counselors, et cetera, community, uh, com community involvement organizations so that they can nurture the, the, the addict back to recovery. Those are all really important things to me. And uh, <clears throat> part of that comes from the fact that, you know, I did my, um, I did my training down in the United States and there seemed to be a, um, an understanding there that, you know, if you're going to have treatment, you have to have people who, who uh, are getting the absolutely the best exposure to the latest kinds of treatment modalities 
that uh, EHN offers. And so I think that's going to be a critical part of this as it unfolds. And, and you know, speaking with the University of Saskatchewan, with SAS Poly and other organizations, I think they're very keen on, on being able to supplement what they're doing now mm-hmm. and uh, getting getting even better at it. Mm. All right. Did we hit it? Is there anything else you want to throw in? You promised me coffee. I did not promise you coffee. You promised me coffee. No, you said don't bring coffee. I said I would bring coffee. And then you said, <laughs> you said no, we've got coffee here. I did say that. I'm. You're right. I did say that. But don't, 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 don't. Why are you waiting until now? We had at least 20 minutes before we go live. Well, I was just waiting. Just waiting. Okay. Well. Lovely to see you, brother. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, you too. Okay. Take care. All right, if you got something out of that episode today and you are not yet subscribed to us on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button, hit that bell, turn on notifications. We go live every four, every Friday morning, every Sunday evening, and sometimes randomly on a Thursday. You never know with us. Um, that's all I got for you today. Thank you so much. Take care, everyone. Say, this is Hard Knocks Talks. You want a coffee? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you I'm... didn't even actually want a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought I'd throw a little shade at you there.